everybody, and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul, and I am your host as always. Today, my guest is singer, songwriter, performer, producer, composer, and arranger all the way from Singapore. His name is Eli Tyler. Eli, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, what's up, Paul? <laughs> so all of those things, if you have to choose one, singer, songwriter, performer, producer, composer, arranger, if you have to choose one of those, which one do you choose? I can't. Like, that's what I do. Like, I mean, you can't, like, that's the whole point of this, right? Like, we're just going to talk about how I make a living out of all of this, and I right. can't just choose one. You do all of it. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with, with Singapore. Um, why? So do you live in Singapore? Do you spend a lot of time in Singapore? Um, why, no, why are you in Singapore? Uh, I am here cause I just played the Asian television awards and I'm, uh, yeah, so I just did that. So I'm here for a little bit. I have some family here. I was born here. Um, and that's, yeah. Cool. So I'm just here for a little bit here for the holidays as well, since I'm here. Um, and then after I'm heading back to New York. Okay, cool. So I have spent some time in Singapore. I've been there, I think three times and my experience has been, Beautiful in the morning, beautiful in the evening, and it rained every day at like no two o'clock. Every single day at like two o'clock, but only for like an hour, and then it was beautiful again. So, is wow. is that normal Singapore weather, or was that just my thing? When were you here in, in in the year? Like that's not really normal. Yeah, it was like the springtime each time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. No, I mean, <laughs> I think it rains a lot because we're in the tropics, right. so. Yeah, but no, that's not really normal. <laughs> At two o'clock, like clockwork. <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. Um, okay, cool. So I would like to start with um, avant-garde and the meaning of avant-garde. So I'm a punk rock guy. I've played in punk okay. rock bands my whole life. So I don't. I honestly can say is. I kind of know what the idea of avant-garde is, but I don't really know what that means. So, sure. so let, let's start there. What are we talking about when we talk about avant-garde? So for me, it's just anything that's different, new, experimental, that's out of the box. It's not typical because I feel like um, everything can sound a little formulaic in, in, in the industry. So for me, I've sort of carved a little thing for myself where I do stuff that's a little bit different with, with commercial sensibility and air quotes. I have air quotes okay. up right now. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like just stuff that's different. Like, so um, I would say like, if you wanted to write a song or make a, a track about something that I would use elements, like let's say we're talking about, falling in love on falling in love um as you pass someone by on the street then maybe i'd sample the crosswalk in like okay. a certain place and then like uh use some of the cars as maybe maybe the crosswalk street light uh like the crosswalk uh traffic light would be like a hi-hat or or like a, a car that's going by might be um like the open hat or something you know then you create like a a, a sonic soundscape out of that and that could be avant-garde like it could be really anything okay. but yeah 
stuff so, like that. So what was interesting just now is uh, there's no video, of course, for the podcast, but watching you describe that was basically watching you create it in your head in that moment. So is so is that accurate? Is that what was happening? Yeah, <laughs> that is so wild. Okay, obviously, I, I have my eyes closed. I realize now as you, you're saying that. Yeah, because I'm like visual. So I visualize this whole soundscape in my head. And I'm like, okay, so this is the plane. And then we're sort of creating this plane. And right. how do I translate that into sonic energy? And that sort of avant-garde to me it's just not like i mean you have all these genres right that are, are, are strict like boxing like if mm -hmm. you have trap or you have hip-hop or whatever and they mm -hmm. sound a certain way and right. like, even the vocal can be a certain way and and for me avant-garde's just taking it on just messing it up and just doing whatever you want to tell the story or yeah Cool. Yeah. When when you got your start in, if we're focusing on music, because there's lots of stuff to talk about, but if we focus on music right now, when you got mm -hmm. your start, was it in a particular genre like hip hop? And then you th thought, well, this is a little bit too limiting, so I want to do a lot of other stuff. Or did you always have these ideas where you're creating a soundscape in your head as you think about things? Yeah, I think I always did, but like I... I mean, to make money to survive, I always did a whole bunch of different things. Like I, I, I've been a sessionist. I've produced vocals. I've like I do a lot of little things all over the place. I, I sing, perform myself too, and and yeah. So I, I did all of that, and then through that process, I sort of discovered that what really got me feeling fulfilled was to create an experience through like this sort of avant-garde again, like air quotes, like right. um um type thing where where yeah like create like a soundscape so yeah through that process it sort of got refined cool so did you grow up in in new york because you just said you live in new york yeah i grew up in singapore uh born in singapore grew up in canada toronto canada okay and then moved yeah okay so where did you first get in where, what was your first musical scene where were you at that time was it in singapore canada or or new york well, define musical scene. <laughs> you you starting to do something with music. I've always been in music in like some way, shape, or form. Like okay. I think my my parents used to work um, in a um, recording studio doing like uh, uh, what is that called? Like um, dubbing. Like they used to record and and mass produce uh, sermons for for pastors. Okay, so wow. they record that and then um after that my mom sent me to like piano lessons i was in like the school orchestra like, so it's, i've always been music is some it's, it's always been around right but i think i really discovered that i wanted to do something with it maybe in college okay in so, Toronto. So yeah relatively yeah. late actually um yeah yeah. So, so that's interesting. So what were you doing in the, in the meantime? Yeah. So you got serious about music as a potential career in college, which I want to talk about, but before that, was it just a hobby? Were you doing other stuff? Did you have other interests? I started college when I was 17. So, okay. so, uh, so not yeah. that late. <laughs> no, still an Asian overachiever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so not that late, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was, I was still in school when I wanted to do it. And I, I think I didn't, I wasn't really thinking of, of how I wanted to do it. I just wanted to make music. And, and I think everyone around me was creating art 
like I was hanging out with a lot of dancers and, and we created art installations and sometimes I would do the music for them and okay. like, it'd be really abstract. And yeah, so that's sort of how it sort of, yeah. What was the catalyst for you when you thought I'm good at this, this could be something that I can do full time? Wow. I don't know, actually. I just <laughs> wanted to do it. Like, it just was the only thing that would make me excited. And I, I, I had all, I always have all these ideas. I would always be writing lyrics. I always be creating a melody, um, wanting to like make something special out of sound and, and, and visuals. Um, but right after college, I sent my music out to a bunch of uh, labels and somehow it landed on uh, the desk of the uh, of EMI Southeast Asia, like the the NR guy there. And right. then he hooked me up with the label here in Singapore. And then I started doing production for different artists. So that was sort of my foot in the professional door, I guess. Okay. Yeah. OK, cool. And let's let's touch on this idea of success to, to start with. When sure. you first got that initial contact, was it immediately like, OK, labels are interested. Let me go buy my Lamborghini right now um, because <laughs> because I have made it or or what, what was going through your mind at that at that point? And, you know, young people think about success differently than people mm -hmm. that have some experience, right? So I'm interested in that initial taste of what might have been success. No, there was no money <laughs> to get out of that Oh my God, no, not even close. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I was working really hard at the time. I was barely sleeping. I was really grateful for all of the projects that were coming in um, and, and there was a lot going on. It was a huge learning curve to make music that you think would be viable and, and be well received. And then when it's placed in front of people that think in dollars and cents right. alone, then a right. lot of stuff gets like <laughs> changed and like changed again. And yeah, so I was just... In that, in that moment, I was just really grateful. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. This is something is happening, but there was a lot of work. I wasn't sleeping a lot. Okay. So, yeah. Was that your first exposure to music as a business where there's the creative part of it, but there is this need for someone to make money, whether that person is you or whether that's a label that's fronting a bunch of money or whatever, that was your your first time? Yeah, that was it. Like it was, it was a rude awakening. It was like realizing that, you know, this whole idea that when we watch movies growing up, like they sell you this dream where you're like, oh, wow, like people just bust into song in the middle of the movie <laughs> and then everyone just sounds perfect. Like, or, or like, um, uh, you know, you just have this, this dream of, of, of becoming successful and somehow it'll happen because someone's going to hear your music and then right. cut to you're in like this stadium. You're, yeah, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> 
Right. Well, so what's, what's interesting there is, of course, I have this conversation with nearly everybody that, that comes on this podcast. And there is this young idea that you're going to be singing at a coffee shop and someone's going to discover you and everything is going to be cool after that. But everybody that has achieved some sort of success, again, defined by the by the artists themselves, has had to work it. Right. It's all about the effort that you put in, as well as the contacts you make. So that that contact part is really important. So let's talk about that for a little bit for, for you. Um, and especially in those early days, how were you attempting to make contacts in the industry to get to get forward? I think it, it's synonymous. Like the grind was was how I made contacts. I think I was working and I still work really, really hard. And through that process, I think um, you'll meet people that appreciate what you do, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And then you start to talk shop, I guess. And you start to like compare notes and, and you make friends. And more often than not, it's not really contacts. I feel like it's people that you become friends with mm -hmm. and really respect. Right. And then you sort of, yeah, that's, that's really, I think what it is because a lot of the time I would get referrals um, and it's from people who think I'm, I'm a good person. Um, yeah. That's really what it is. I think that that's the other common denominator. I think for, for people that I've had on the show is their best advice often is don't be an asshole. Right. So yeah. everything is easier when you're not an asshole. Yeah. In life and in, in every way, <laughs> right. shape and form, just, just be be cool like yeah yeah don't be an asshole for yeah. sure right on so then from there i want to i want to touch on this idea of of being asian so you mentioned you were at the the asian television awards i did look it up and it was the 26th edition of the asian television awards so yeah. how does one get a gig at the 26th asian television awards that seems like a big deal to me I mean, it was, I was really lucky and it was my first time. And I mean, unfortunately, cause like COVID, like everyone had to do it remote. Okay. Otherwise it would have been really cool. Like they usually have a, a big show. Like it's a, it's a big award show. Um, I, again, this is through people that know me and um, watch me perform. Like a lot of the time, like I get gigs and I, I, I meet people when I perform a lot okay. of things happen when, when, you don't expect them to. It's hard to really say like, this is the formula or this is how like one would get booked at, at right. a thing like that. But a lot of it truly is from the people that I know. And sometimes um, like for this particular one, it's like they told me that a couple of people had mentioned my name and it was from different sources. And then they looked me up and they had a conversation with me and they were like, yeah, I think you're, you would be a, a good fit. And then they heard the song that I would have wanted to do at the time and they were like okay this this would cool. fit where we want it to fit and more often than not also it's it's fitting what they want for their situation mm -hmm. not so much like yeah so i think it just worked out and not all opportunities pan out that's the truth you know right. um right. and yeah so and then you don't hear about those because nobody was <laughs> like i did not get booked for this Ta-da! No. <laughs> right. You just move on to the next thing, right? The the healthy yeah. thing to do is not focus on the stuff that doesn't work, but move on, move on to the next thing. So talking about this performance a little bit more, how did you prepare for it? Both as part of the physical performance as well as the, the mental preparation part of it. Oh, um, um, well, 
a lot of rehearsal. Um, I rehearse a lot. Like I, I am Asian. I over prepare. <laughs> I'm not so, trying to be stereotypical, but this is just right. me. But that I'm stereotype holds me. true for you as a as for an me, Asian. Yeah. Yes, as a person. Yes, who really, yeah, it's not a general generalization. Okay. No, okay. very very clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love being Asian, so that's just <laughs> yeah. And I, I yeah. So anyway, uh, I I over prepare a lot and um, rehearse a lot, and yeah, I. Like I would, I would grind apart from like working on other stuff. I would set time for me to like practice. I would do my vocal warmups. I sing in front of a mirror. Uh, yeah. What about the mental part of it for a big show like that? What are you, what are you doing to, to stay focused? I work out a lot and I also meditate. Um, yeah. Every morning I wake up and I have this list where I, I sit down and I'm like, okay, this is, this is what I want in life. This is what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And then this is what I'm doing for today. And then I drink a bottle of water. Okay. Wow. Cool. Very, very mature. Awesome. Uh, let, let's, <laughs> let, let's talk about the, the Asian-ness uh, for a moment. Um, I think it's Im important for me as an Asian person as well. I think it's important to, to have these Asian performers to look up to when you're a kid. So the big, the, the big thing for me was when Jakey Lee became the guitar player for Ozzy back in the eighties, mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, there's a guy that looks like me and he's on a big stage mm -hmm. and playing guitar. And that was important for me. Um, again, as being represented by someone with some success. Um, okay. so what does that mean for you as someone who is achieving some measure of success in, in what your responsibilities are as a role model to, to, to younger Asians around the world? Well, I mean, I don't think of, of being a role model. I mean, I just, I'm still working really hard, but like, um, so can I just go on a little tangent? Sure. Say, like, absolutely. Me? Absolutely. I never saw anyone that looked like me because I, I sing and I, 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 um, I used to play in a band. Like I, I've had many permutations. Like I, whatever I get booked for, like I've had backup dancers. I've had a band. I've had like, I played as a duo. I, sometimes I DJ mm -hmm. and most of the time before the past, like three ish years when I'd show up, people used to think like I would be the keyboard player. There's no <laughs> way that I would be the singer like that. It was, it was tough. And yeah. like, so I think for me, like just constantly grinding was a way to prove to myself, not really to okay. be a role model. Yeah. And I agree though. Like now when I look at like her or like any, or, or even Bruno Mars, who's, you know, it, there there's representation, but like still not enough. And I'm like, okay, so all of us have got to like work a lot harder. Um, but it's been tough. I, I've had deals like pass me by, but I, I've had record label people tell me straight to my face that like, um, you know, no one's going to sign any, anyone that's Asian because you, you just can't sell. It's not viable, blah, blah, blah. Really? Wow. That, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah, 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 for sure. So um, be, because you because you don't speak with an accent when and if people aren't necessarily researching you or looking at pictures of you, you show up and they think you should be a white guy. That's basically w what's happening, right? Yes. And also because my stage name um, is okay. also like it, two first names. It's not a first and last name. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of the time people tend to think that. So, yeah, it's not intentional. though. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Um, and sometimes the 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 questioning from people who who aren't necessarily being malicious, but you know, don't know any better, you know, what kind of Asian are you? Or, you know, where are you from? And it's like, well, I'm from here, dipshit, you know, so I, <laughs> you know, yeah. so have you, have you gotten a fair amount of that uh, through the course oh, of your yeah, career? Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, but where are you really from? Like, or like, but, <laughs> exactly. yeah. or like, why don't you speak with an accent? Like, I'm like, I do. This is just the way I sound. Just maybe not to you, but like maybe someone else might think, but right. whatever. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm at a point where I'm just like, moving on. <laughs> right. So, yeah. and, so did that impact you differently um, earlier on? Is that something you had to work through to to be able to to handle it again with the level of maturity that you, you're handling your entire career right now? Yeah, emotionally, psychologically. I mean, I've, I've played shows where like, um, so I played in 2019, I played at the New York Botanical Gardens and I would play every Friday and Saturday. It was like a, a, a residency. Okay. And at, at one, one of the nights there was this, there was this old white lady that came and a friend of mine happened to be standing next to her and, and she asked her and I was singing in English and she was like, what, what language is you singing in? <laughs> I was like, did that really? Yeah. So my friend told me that I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah so stuff like that used to happen a lot more too and i think i'm at a point like i said i'm just like eh, moving on right, because right. it used to hurt it used to be like why like what did i ever do to you or like you know why would you pass on me just because of the color of my skin or my yeah. heritage like it doesn't yeah. make any sense music is yeah yeah you shouldn't have anything to do with that art shouldn't have anything to do with that but yeah Right on. Okay, we're going to move on from there. I want to talk about costumes because uh, I will drop the links to, it's called tuneintoeli.com. I'll drop all the links for your stuff in so people can check you out. But when, when yeah. you go to your webpage, the first thing I was struck by was, man, how long does it take to make one of these costumes? Because I can't do that. So, <laughs> so, so let's start there. Um, that's clearly part of what you're doing. So, so how yeah, does all of that happen? Um. It sort of just happens in my mind. Like I sort of see what I want with it. Um, and I feel like for me, it's it's an entire process. Like I, I see it as art. I don't really see it as just music or fashion because mm -hmm. again, it comes back around to this avant-garde. I don't know the way I see it. It's just different than everything else. It's just its own thing. Um, so I would say create a mask that's trying to tell the story um in tandem with the song that that i'm putting out or, or 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 whatever show that i'm doing so yeah um and i make a lot of them or i collaborate with other people and and have that happen yeah it takes time yeah, have you sure. yeah so that that's actually my question there so have you ever th thought of something in your head and be like oh man that would be awesome but then try to do it in practical reality and decide you know what this isn't working or i'm gonna i can't do this i'm gonna do something else all the time <laughs> like, literally all the time and then you sort of like try to then you you reassess and then you're like okay how do i make this work and then how do i it's 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 sort of like you know when you've performed and then sometimes not nothing ever happens exactly right. according to plan right, right? right, right and right, then you just right, roll right. with it and then you make your work and and sometimes it happens to turn out better than you could ever mm -hmm. imagine 
Sometimes you're like, okay, well, <laughs> try again. <laughs> Lesson yeah. learned, right? Lesson learned, try yeah, again, or, exactly. Yeah, or keep yeah. trying until it works. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Um, so you talk, you just mentioned it a little bit, but, uh, um, how tied together are these aspects of your performance, the singing part of it, the costume part of it, the message part of it, the, the dancing part of it, are they all, do you consider that all one piece or is one thing more important depending on what you're doing? I think it's, it's, it's all one piece. Yeah. Everything from like the concept of, of the song, how the narrative of it, like how it's presented, um, the costumes, whether or not they're dancers. Yeah. All of it, whether or not there's a segue into it as much as possible. I try to like make it an, an entire experience. Okay. That's just how I like to deliver it. So in, in the, in the creative process, typically how long does it take you to get from, here's the germ of an idea of what I would like to present to here is the presentation. Is that a year in between? Is that a couple of weeks? What does it typically take? I understand that these things are different every time, but, but what does it typically take? It depends on, on, like you said, like it really depends on the project. If it's like one song and if it's like a, a video and like a look that comes with it or um, like, um, I did, like I was saying, I played at the New York Botanical Gardens. They had, I created this whole EP with Southeast Asian sounds, uh, with like a whole bunch of dance elements that were, were kind of like a, was kind of like a, a, a world music vibe. Like, mm -hmm. and that took the music alone took three months to make eight tracks, played another one at the Rockefeller university where there's, there's this, um, outer space type vibe and they had projection mapping on the ceiling to go with it that set of tracks took there were what seven tracks took two months two and a half months wow. yeah okay so it really depends and that's and that's just the music and then you have to plan the, the projection mapping or like the dancers or whatever okay. so it really depends on the project depends on the timeline they have um yeah it, the more time the better but that's never really so, good. And that raises the question in my mind, since these things are so intricate, um, can you work on more than one project at a time? Is it is that a possible thing to do? You have to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a choice. Yeah, that's just what it is. You have to. And I'm not great at multitasking. I'm really good at like hyper-focusing. So I have to be disciplined. I have to be like, okay, just this is the time I'm working on this. And then I have to learn, I had to learn how to like drop this in this section of time and then go back to that. Still, still learning how to like multitask, but I'm not great. So One of the things that I've noticed is when, when I'm working on a record or whatever, if I don't finish a song and say, okay, this song is done. Here's the next one. If I'm working on several songs at the same time, they all start to sound similar, right? Because, mm -hmm. because it all becomes one jumbled thing. And if I really don't want that, if I want the songs to be distinct, I really have to put them down and say, okay, I'm done with that. Here's the next thing. So how, does that happen with you where things bleed into each other? Uh, no, for me, I think it's interesting. Everyone has like a different process. No, for me, I, I don't think so. For me, it's pretty clear. I usually have my notes. I'm like, okay, this is what this is going to be like. Obviously, it evolves. Right. But 
this is what this is going to be like. And then this is the overall arc. So this, I wanted to have this sort of vibe and blah, blah, blah. So it sort of is kept pretty distinct. Um, there is a little bit of a bleed, but it depends on the project. Like you generally also want like some sort of similarity that ties it all together, but one project doesn't bleed into the next basically. Yeah. Cool. Then, um, I want to ask you one last, uh, talk about one last topic here before I let you go. And that is the, the fashion stuff. So Victoria's Mm -hmm. Secret, Disney, Vera Wang. Um, right. So how does one get involved in the fashion industry and how fundamentally is that, how fundamentally different is that from just like straight up music performance? So they're all different. Like for Victoria's Secret, they licensed one of my tracks. Okay. So that's how that happened. And that was through an agency. Um, for Vera Wang, she apparent I don't know the story for sure, for sure, but they were at the Botanical Gardens and then someone had heard my music playing in the conservatory because that was part of the project. And then they just loved it and it worked with their visuals. So then that was how that whole negotiation okay. process process happened. And then now it's like a thing. Um, yeah. So everything just happens the way it does that sounds really big not the greatest answer uh yeah it's just different and and yeah so i can get behind that though it's like whatever the next thing that's going to happen is the next thing that's going to happen you know you you kind of you kind of work towards whatever as you were saying you work towards whatever your goal is but whatever's going to happen is what's going to happen right you can't really control that next thing right and and you sort of i think you just fit if you fit into what they're looking for for their project, then it then it works, and then yeah, that's sort of what happens. And um, it's got to keep grinding. You yeah. got to have multiple things going. You got to know what you want to do, and understand that not everything works out, and that's right. okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's next for you? Very last thing here. Go back to New York. Are do you have things that you're working on right now that you want to talk about, or just general grinding? Well, I just put out a track um, with the ATA, like the Asian Television Award. So that just got put out. I might want to do a video for it. I'm not sure. But I'm also working on a couple of artists. I do like incubator artists to like season artists. So when I get back to New York, I have like a couple of projects that I'm supposed to finish. But in the meantime, I'm just going to enjoy time with family because things are wild right now. So. Um, it's really nice to be around family. Yeah. It's been yeah. a minute. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. That's um, I would like to me. touch base with you again, you know, may, maybe next summer to see, to see what Absolutely. you're up to. I think it's I think what you do is really different from a lot of the artists that I talk to. So I'd like to continue this conversation um, because I find it Anytime. interesting. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. So I want to thank everyone who's listening. As always, your support is very much appreciated. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating there. It's very, very helpful to the to the continuation of the podcast. <clears throat> but in the meantime, thanks to, to everyone who is listening and supporting. Thanks to Eli Tyler for, for being on the show and tuning us into some avant-garde things that are happening in the world. As, as always, I'll drop everything into the um, podcast description. Eli, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great. Thanks so much, Paul. It's been a, it's been wonderful. Thank you.